Today, I want to continue my series through the Ten Commandments, and we are on the Ninth Commandment today. Please turn with me to two passages of Scripture. First of all, Deuteronomy chapter 5, you'll see verse 20 mentions the Ninth Commandment, and it says, You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Now turn with me, please, to Deuteronomy chapter 24 in verse 8, all the way to chapter 25, verse 3. I'll read this passage during the sermon. So let me begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we pray that as we meditate on the ninth commandment, that you give us wisdom into its depth and how it gives us clarity and insight and in how to honor you and to live in a way that is pleasing to you and even to others. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, one thing that is becoming increasingly obvious in our American culture is that the bedrock to a peaceful and a prosperous society is a righteous justice system. If a law enforcement, if law enforcement is not used against criminals, then guess what's going to happen? It only encourages criminal behavior and even businesses will be tempted to move and relocate where there where there's peace and there's people not stealing from them. I remember several days ago I went to Home Depot in Baton Rouge to pick up a particular type of hot water heater for rebuilding the house that we have. And everything was locked up where I was looking. Uh, There's padlocks containing these hot water heaters. I went to the helper at the store and I said, why do y'all lock these things up? Why can't I just take one and bring it to the front? And they said, well, it's six in the morning. Every morning there's people coming in here, taking these things and running out the back door. It's happening more and more around here. She says, have you heard what's going on in California? And I was like, yeah, I heard about it. She says, well, it's happening here. The point is, is that where you have people who think they can just run away from the law or the law is not being enforced, it only encourages criminal behavior. Also, think about this in America. If the law is misused in order to oppress the innocent or to prosecute citizens with false witnesses, especially innocent citizens with false witnesses, then what do you have? You don't have the rule of law. You had the rule of bullies and you had the rule of tyranny. Now, the reason why I'm emphasizing this justice system in society with this introduction to this ninth commandment is that the ninth commandment actually is primarily about injustice. It's, atta- it's preventing, it's seeking to prevent the injustice that occurs in a society or the injustice that damages a person with the misuse of the law. This is why I read to you what the Ninth Commandment uh, literally says. Some people think, think the Ninth Commandment simply says, oh, don't lie. That's just only one slither or one aspect of it. The Ninth Commandment is do not bear false witness against your neighbor. The context there specifically is like a courtroom where you testimony, you raise your right hand and you say, yeah, I saw my neighbor do this. 
<laughs> and it's a total lie or a total false accusation in the, in the middle of a courtroom. And so what are you, what are you producing with a false witness? You're, you're, you're producing injustice. You're corrupting the justice system. And so the way Moses is going to apply the ninth commandment, it's not about lying per se. It's more about injustice that ripples and imbalances in their Israelite society. So today what I want to do is a couple of things. I want to show you, first of all, talk about how the, the ninth commandment fits within the Ten Commandments. Then we're going to look at how Moses first applied the ninth commandment to certain cases. And when we see that, we're going to see the heartbeat of God for a just society and balance in society. And then we're going to see how it applies to us today. First of all, let me talk about how the ninth commandment fits within the Ten Commandments. If you break the Ten Commandments down with five and five, five on the God side and five on the human side, if you come to the fourth one in the first list, that's the Sabbath commandment, honor the Lord's day. Well, God has a courtroom on the Sabbath day. You're in God's court right now. You've come before the Lord. You've confessed your sins. The blood of Christ has been applied to you. And God's court has borne witness for you that you are forgiven. You are completely justified. You are saved. You're a child of God. That's the divine court on the fourth commandment. This is why on the, on the other side of the Ten Commandments, the, the fourth commandment that deals with the human aspect, which is actually the ninth. So six, seven, eight, nine. The ninth commandment is dealing with the human court aspect. The, in, the justice that should come from human courts. And what corrupts human courts is the misuse of the law, the misapplication of the law, or the false testimonies that come into human courts. And so the, it's, it fits the imagery which we see throughout the Bible that, that your images of God, as God has a true and righteous court in His presence, He also wants humans and human societies to have true and righteous courts in their presence and on the earth. What happens in heaven happens on the earth. What God does, He wants His images to do. That's why the ninth commandment fits very appropriately there where it is in the Ten Commandments. Another aspect of the fitting of the Ten Commandments is, is this particular time in history, whenever Moses is giving this to the nation of Israel. At this moment, they're in the, the birth phase of a nation. They've, been, they've come out of Egyptian slavery. They have not been a nation before. They've been just a bunch of couple tribes hanging out or multiplying in the land of Egypt. Now they're about, they're about to go into the promised land with Joshua. Joshua is going to conquer the promised land. And they, they need to set up a system of courts where local elders will judge, judge cases. And if, if it's too heavy for a complicated case for a local elder or a group of elders, we'll put it up to Moses or the leaders of of Israel, take it up to their supreme courts. Let the priest inter choir of God. So there's there's different levels of of judicial cases that they want to try within the nation of Israel. So it's very fitting 
that this commandment, these Ten Commandments are given to the land of Israel right before they're becoming a nation. So, because God wants that nation to have justice in their society. Now, let's move on to Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 8. And we're going to see various cases on how Moses begins to apply the ninth commandment. And before I read this, let me make this point. As we read these cases, you're going to be thinking, well, this sounds like a stealing aspect or a do not steal type of law. Yeah, that's true. It, it applies to do not stealing. Some of these things will. But when you look at stealing, the law of stealing, it basically is about a boundary. If you steal something, you break a boundary, uh, you invade somebody's space, and you shouldn't have taken what doesn't belong to you. That's, that's the angle of stealing. Well, what the ninth commandment does, it looks at a lot of the same points from the angle of justice and how there's an imbalance. There's not a, per- a proper proportion going on there. That's what I'm preparing you to show you why these cases are brought up in the ninth commandment section, which begins in verse 8 of Deuteronomy 24. The first one is this. Uh, Do not bear false witness or injustice against righteous rulers. Here's the case. Look at verse 8. He says, Take heed in an outbreak of leprosy that you carefully observe and do, not, and do according to all the priests and the Levites teach you, just as I commanded them, so that you should be careful to do. Remember what the Lord your God did to Miriam on the way when you came out of Egypt. And you may be wondering, what in the world does leprosy have to do with the ninth commandment? Well, what happens in this particular verse, God reminds them of what happened in Numbers chapter 12. In Numbers chapter 12, Miriam and Aaron did not like the fact that Moses had married an Ethiopian woman. And Miriam slandered slandered Moses. Miriam slandered his authority and tried to say, God's not going to speak, doesn't simply speak through Moses. God speaks through us too. Well, what God did was God struck her with leprosy. Moses is the, like the Supreme Court leader at this time. He would be the one who would be making the judgments over certain cases, leading God's people. Well, she bore false witness against Moses because of his wife. She didn't like his wife. And so God struck her with leprosy for seven days. And they removed her from the camp of God. And then they brought her back after she was cleansed from that. So this is a case in which God says, remember Miriam. And in other words, if God brings leprosy on a particular family or person, it may be for the slander that came from that person, just like it came from Miriam. In other words, do not slander righteous rulers. Number two. In this particular case, do not cause injustice against a poor debtor. Look at verse 10 through 13. It says, When you lend your brother anything, you shall not go into his house to get his pledge. You shall stand outside, and the man to whom you lend shall bring the pledge out to you. And if the man is poor, you shall not keep his pledge overnight. You shall 
In any case, return the pledge to him again when the sun goes down, that he may sleep in his own garment and bless you. And it shall be righteousness to you before the Lord your God. Notice the word righteousness is there. God is concerned that there will be an imbalance that someone has loaned some money or something to a poor man and then he's putting he's he's going to give him collateral or a pledge to back up that loan he's saying you rich man you cannot go in there and take invade his property and take his pledge and keep it overnight that pledge may be a nice garment it may be a nice blanket that's going to keep himself warm the point is god understands that there will be an injustice as a result of loaning someone some money and holding his pledge too long or holding a pledge that is life-giving for him, there would be an imbalance or an injustice. Look at the third case. Do not cause injustice by delaying payments. Look at verse 14. You shall not oppress a hired servant who is poor and needy, whether one of your brethren or one of the foreigners who's in your land within your gates. Each day you shall give him his wages, and do not let the sun go down on it, for he is poor, and he has set his heart on it, lest he cry out against you to the Lord, and it be sin to you. This is quite obvious here, of the injustice of this. What happens is, the owner or the employer is hiring someone who is depended upon that daily payment for his food, for his family. And the owner is saying, no, I'm going to pay you a couple weeks from now. I'll pay you at the end of the month, not the end of the day. Well, that person who is so poor and dependent, he's going to cry out to God and God's going to have vengeance upon the employer because he's not paying him what he needs every day. There's an injustice. There's an imbalance because the, the employer is not paying the worker daily. Number four, look at this case in verse 16 is this. Do not cause injustice by punishing the innocent instead of the guilty. In verse 16, it says this. Fathers shall not be put to death for their children, nor shall children be put to death for their fathers. A person shall be put to death for his own sin. In pagan justice system, there was this historical document called the Code of Hammurabi. Hammurabi, I think. Well, it said this, that if there was a villain who killed someone, you could actually, if if the villain killed your son, well, you can go and kill the child of that villain, of the bad guy. That's pagan justice. That's evil justice. It's not justice. In the biblical justice system, you could not kill the the son of the villain. You had had to put on the trial, you had to put the villain to death and the villain would suffer. That was the biblical justice system there in a human court. Number five, here's another case, which is from verses 17 all the way to 22. Do not cause injustice against the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. Verse 17 and following says this, You shall not pervert justice due to the stranger or the fatherless, 
nor take a widow's garment as a pledge. But you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. Therefore I command you to do this thing. When you reap your harvest in the field and forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat your olive trees, you shall not go over the boughs again. It shall be for the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. When, the, when you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not glean it afterward. It shall be for the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. And you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I command you to do this thing. Did you notice the repetition of the language here? Because in the ancient world, people did not have books to read. They were audible. They were listening to Moses read this. And so when you hear this repetition of the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, it, it sits in your mind better so you can remember it over and over again in your life. The point is, is that the gleaning law of leaving some for the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow is applied to the ninth commandment because of the justice. God wants there to be a balance. He wants there to be, be provisions for, for the poor and the nation of Israel. Notice as well, he mentions grain, which is the harvest of the field. He mentions olives, trees, and grapes. These are raw materials for the sanctuary, meaning this. Grain, you make bread, which goes into the holy place. Olive, you make olive oil to anoint the priest. Grapes, you make wine, which is going to go sit there in the holy place, in the uh, holy place of the tabernacle. These are also elements or raw materials that will produce elements that go before the Lord. And God wants his whole nation to be representative of a good justice system where there is balance and provision for everybody. Lastly, here's the final case I want to mention that Moses talks about. There's an injustice when you punish people too much. All right? Look at verse, chapter 25, verse 1 and following. He says this, If there's a dispute between men and they come into court and the, judge, and the judges may judge them and they justify the righteous and they condemn the wicked, which is a good thing, then it shall be if the wicked man deserves to be beaten that the judge will cause him to lie down and be beaten in his presence according to his guilt with a certain number of blows. Forty blows he may give him and no more, lest he should exceed that and beat him with many blows above these and your brother be humiliated in your sight. So if there's a man who did something really bad and he deserves 40 blows to his back. That's it. Forty is it. No more. If you do it too much, if you punish him too much, you've degraded him too much. And this is why later in the Bible, uh, whenever the Jews beat Paul, it was 40 minus 1, 39 blows. Because the Jews would subtract 1 just to make sure they didn't go over the 40 mark. So Paul is beaten 39 times by the Jews. This is where in the Bible... They get that from. But you see, in the original giving of this law and applying it, God does not want to, if the victim does not deserve death, um, 
he is not to be punished mercilessly all the way to the fullest extent. It should be a just punishment, not too much, just right. This is why all these cases I just read to you honor the ninth commandment because the ninth commandment is a focus on righteousness with your words and with your actions. So I'm going to give you some interpretations and some benefits of this passage and understanding this commandment. Number one, this improves your interpretation of the Bible in some critical stories. What am I referring to? A lot of times in the Bible, you'll read about a lie or a deception in the Bible that God actually congratulates, that God actually approves of. For example, whenever the midwives lied to Pharaoh, the midwives were protecting some of the children in Egypt. And they said, Pharaoh, um, we can't kill those babies because they're born right when we get there. That was a total lie. And God blessed the midwives. Well, what you understand is those midwives were pursuing righteousness. They were pursuing justice, what was right. And so their law, excuse me, their lie, their deception in that context was right because they were pushing back against evil. Their deception did not break the ninth commandment. It honored the ninth commandment. Same thing with Rahab. Whenever Rahab is hiding the spies in her attic and she tells the evil people, they went way over there. Look, keep going. They're over there. She deceived them. That deception honored the ninth commandment because she is pursuing righteousness. David was in a time of warfare. And David even uh, told the king and the, Phil- the, Philistine, the Philistine king uh, that he was not killing uh, the Philistines in his backyard, basically. And but it was a total lie. David was killing them. And the point is, he was deceiving the evil person. It was a pursuit of justice. This understanding of the ninth commandment helps you interpret those passages of the Bible. Just one more example. Whenever J.L., calls in Sesera, who was a murderer, into her tent and says, come over here, lay down, just sleep a little bit. He goes to sleep after she gives him some milk. Then she takes a tent peg and drives it right through his skull into the, into the ground. That was a righteous and good thing. And she honored the ninth commandment because she was pursuing righteousness okay, with her deception. This helps you understand warfare as a Christian like in Nazi Germany, where are the Jews? You tell the Nazis, they're way over there. They're not in my house. They're way down the road. Okay, That's a righteous thing to do in the time of warfare. So it gives you a proper interpretation of the Bible. Let me just go on a little side note. There's, um, uh, there's one well-known scholar who said that J.L. was wrong in killing Caesarea in the Bible because he was using his American approach, his American interpretation uh, think, thinking that it was a very simplistic interpretation. I'm showing you why if you don't interpret the ninth commandment rightly, uh, then you can misinterpret other passages of the Bible uh, wrongly as well. So this commandment helps you interpret the scripture. Number two, when you understand that this commandment is about righteousness with words and actions, it helps you limit your emotional vengeance. When you're wrong. And somebody may have stolen something from you. 
Sometimes your first reaction is, is I want to kill them. <laughs> or I want to see them die. I want to see a nuclear bomb hit everything that they have. Well, that's, that's kind of out, of out of proportion. That's not a balance there. Okay. This is why judges have to be objective. Uh, this is why your, your understanding of the ninth commandment, it helps you to limit your emotional reaction to offenses. Somebody may say something wrongly about you or slander you with their words. And then your first reaction, your emotional response may be to make a fist and hit them in the face. You may want to do that. Well, you realize if you do that, you're actually making things worse. You're not balancing things. You're not correcting their words with proper words. So God in the ninth commandment is really concerned with balance, is righteousness, and it helps you limit your emotional reactions. Thirdly, this commandment helps you do no more or say no more than is necessary. Sometimes, um, if you want to talk to somebody about someone else, you're tempted to say more than the other person, than the hearer needs to hear. If you start saying more or doing more than is necessary, then you'll be guilty of slander. You could be guilty of bearing false witness. You could be guilty of, of slandering that person's name. This is why when you think about it, whenever God did not want the man to go in there and take the widow's garment as collateral, as a pledge, because that garment may be the only thing that she has to keep herself warm. And yet you're going to take that from her? There's an imbalance. There's an injustice there. In the same way, when you talk, think about words and actions, the principle here is your reaction, your words and your actions, should be no more than is necessary for that person to hear or that person to experience. Same thing with the beating of the 39, the, the 40 slashes there. Any more is unnecessary with the response to the crime. When things are more than necessary, it violates the, the ninth commandment. Fourthly, this ninth commandment is encouraging you to be sensitive. You have to be sensitive to your own limitations and the limitations of others. When you think about what, what a person can handle, what is the age of a child? What is the age of the adult? What is this person able to handle and needs to know or not need to know with information or with a response from a parent? All these things encourage you to be sensitive to your limitations and the limitations of others. And of course, let me apply it this way. Honoring the ninth commandment, bearing a true witness or not being a false witness. When you think about it, we are witnesses of Christ. Christ's name is baptized upon us, is given upon us. Christ declares us to be His children, the elect of God, the chosen, the adopted, all these things, the holy nation. And as we persevere in the faith, as you continue to come to church, as you continue to grow in the Scripture, you are bearing true witness of who you are toward your neighbor saying, this is who I am. I am named after Christ. I have the Holy Trinity's name upon me. And this is the lifestyle I live. As Christians are faithful, as Christians persevere in the faith, that's how they're bearing true witness of who they are, who is the King of kings, and who is the Lord of lords. It's Jesus Christ.
So in all these ways, and of course this just scratches the surface, but this is how we can see the heartbeat of God in the ninth commandment as Moses applied it to the nation of Israel, seeking a justice system that had balance in it, a society that had balance. And then down into your personal life, it balances you with your reactions, your emotions, your responses, and your desire to have wisdom of what people need to know when they need to know it with your words and your actions. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks for your word. We give you thanks for its guidance. We pray for our society, Lord, that there will be a greater respect for for the law and that you'll give judges, lawmakers, and the police force wisdom to how to bring safety and security to all parts of our society. We pray, Lord, against the chaos of our culture. Uh, At at root level, it is an anti-God, anti-Christian movement that wants to, to reject laws and righteousness and, and rule with tyranny. We pray against that. We pray that you'll give sanity to our culture, Lord, so that people can understand that only in Christ and the law of God and the word of God does it give light to society, to have families that are peaceful and a society that can grow businesses and be prosperous. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.